and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Dougie Thompson. I reckon Dougie is the nicest guy in hospitality. He's been in the game for 15 years, working his way up from kitchen hand to head chef in a few venues around Melbourne, before he and his wife went on a two-year adventure around the world in search of street food. When he got back, he says, the country was on fire, and not long after, we were in lockdown. To keep himself busy and to help others, Dougie went into true hospitality mode, joining the Alex Makes Meals crew up at the Hardware Club, making meals for frontline health workers, then doing an online cooking entertainment with his friend and Conversation with a Chef alumni, Sam Pinzon, called Bad Chef, Worst Chef. And he's currently run off his feet with his creation, Dinner at Dougie's House, which started when he posted photos of what he was cooking and local, locals asked him to cook it for them. That's now turned into a five-night-a-week venture where he gives his profit to various charities and where he very happily gets to come up with a different menu every night. Talking to Dougie made me so happy and I absolutely think you should hop on his Instagram account, which is at ddougiez, D-D-D-O-U-G-I-E-Z, and his Facebook page, Dinner at Dougie's House, um, for his vibrant photos and Dougie's soul-filling commentary on them. Dougie Johnson is what Melbourne in lockdown needs. Thanks, Dougie. And now, just as a disclaimer, I do apologise for the sound quality of this podcast. We had a few issues with phones cutting out, and I'm fairly certain that Dougie was actually cooking while he was talking to me. But bear with us, because it's a cracker of a conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hi again, how are we going now? Oh, now we've got a clear line. Good. Okay, I'm yeah. quite... Why, <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, so anyway, you were saying you've been really busy, and I and I noticed um, so many things you've been doing since even in the first lockdown when you were doing the helping out for um, up at Hardware Club with uh, cooking for the frontline health yeah, workers. Yeah, and those guys. I met so many great people. It was such a good experience, and I, especially during that first lockdown, because it was a bit disconcerting. Um, Especially as a, as a chef, when you busted your nuts. Like I started off washing dishes, um, you know, 15 or 18 years ago or whatever, mm. at a local cafe. And I worked extremely hard to get to the point where I was working with some of the top chefs around and things like that. And as soon as I got to this point where my career seemed to be going really nicely, and all of a sudden the rug was pulled out from under, and, and it, was, it was a very, really stressful time for me. So, um, Going down and hanging out with the guys down there and, and doing a bit of cooking and, you know, changing recipes and, and learning some things from those guys and, and yeah, it was a really positive experience. Yeah, they are good down there, aren't they? I've had a chat, to, of course, to um, Nicola down there, Ducey, and he's just so lovely. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a beautiful man, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so... So you started washing dishes. Let's just go back to the start um, before we get to what you're doing now, maybe then, because it, it always fascinates me how people get into it. So did you think you were going to be a chef and you just started washing dishes or you happened to be washing no, dishes in it? No, well, to, to be perfectly candid with you, I had a bit of a drug problem when I was younger. Mm. 
and I ended up in a position where I wasn't particularly employable. And basically the only job I could get at that point when I wanted to try and sort my life out, um, uh, because I had a little daughter and and I really wanted to get my my shit sorted. So um, the only job I could get at that point was was washing dishes, basically. So, um, yeah, I started washing dishes uh, at a Mexican restaurant and at a cafe and, and... and one day a chef didn't show up to work, so, so the boss of the Mexican restaurant put me on the cook line and I started, you know, started from there and, and just kept on pushing. I, I realised fairly early on in the piece that I had, um, that the kitchen environment's particularly challenging for a lot of people because there's a lot of things going on. There's, I mean, not so much now, but, but 15 years ago there were a lot of, it was a hard place to be. There were a lot of big personalities, a lot of angry people and things like that. And I um I slotted into that environment so well. I loved it, loved the crazy energy of it, and I loved the, the pace of it. Mm. And um, being a big tattooed mohawky kind of guy, <laughs> I wasn't particularly intimidated by any of the scary chefs either. So mm. yeah, from from the moment that I stepped into the kitchen, I knew that that, that was the place that I wanted to be. And clearly, too, um, you've then developed such a passion for food and, and a variety of different kinds of cuisine, you know, international and so on. Um, looking at your photos, you must just... I mean, how do you... I, I suppose you've now had 15 years of experience, but how do you come up with those ideas? Do you, have you just learned all of those things along the way? And you, it seems like well, you experiment a lot. My wife and I, um, in... The start of 2018, sold everything we owned and went travelling the world. And I went on a street food chase, basically. We wanted to to go and experience as much of the world, as much of these cultures and things like that. And we, we spent two years, we spent a year in Southeast Asia and Sri Lanka. And we, um, you know, worked in hill tribe villages in, in northern Vietnam, building rock walls in rice paddies and, you know, cooking with the locals. And we... We worked on coconut farms in Sri Lanka, uh, wow. learning how to make our own coconut cream and, and you know, making awesome curries. And we, we lived in the Andes in in, um, in Peru and learned a bit about the Quechua cuisines. And uh, we, we lived in the Amazon rainforest and, and learned how to shoot and cook snakes. Amazing. And, like and um, lived in places where the, the nearest bridge was, you know, a hundred kilometres away, so we lived a lot on dried rice and beans and learned how to do really clever things with that. And yeah, we just spent all this time travelling. And because we're, we're we're both such food focused people, we just learned so much. Yeah. On on the the travels, it was it really changed. Yeah, it really changed my whole game when it comes to to what food I choose to cook and what food I choose to eat. Yeah. So, do you think? Um that it was important to have had a bit of a, a foundation of cooking before you went and did that. Did that help you know what you were looking for? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it, it also changed the whole way that I cook. Because I mean, as one example, when we were in Bolivia, we um, lived on this Ayurvedic commune, like a weird hippie commune, out in a, a with a, a um, they had what they call a food forest where they grew all these like native uh, foods and and, you know, completely organic and things like that. But because it was um, run on Ayurvedic principles, I um, had to learn to cook without chilli, without spices, without sugar, without onions and garlic. And I was working there as the camp cook, more or less. Well, I, I wasn't hired as the camp cook. I just I kind of assumed that role because yeah. I usually do. Yeah. 
<laughs> just jumped in the kitchen and started cooking. But to, to learn how to create flavour bases for soups and stews and curries and things like that with no onions, garlic, ginger or chilli is like a whole different ball game there. And it makes you start thinking outside the box a little bit and learning where the compounds in your flavour in your flavour bases actually come from. Instead of just going, oh, this is how I do it, you actually start thinking about those individual elements and breaking it down into what flavours or what you know building blocks those elements can bring to your meal and things. And it makes you think about it a whole different way. Amazing. That would um did you document I suppose you took photos and so on, but it just it would just make such an amazing documentary or book, wouldn't it, that you, of your those travels. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got so many photos. <laughs> Sounds incredible. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, with the experience of a lifetime, it actually literally changed my life. But you know, the other thing was as well, getting back here and trying to resume a normal life after these two years of adventure, especially when we got back here, the whole country was on fire. And yeah. that was pretty stressful. And as soon as the fires were out, then COVID came and, um, I, I really struggled with the transition. I think that's, that's kind of... I ended up in quite a dark place during the... the between the first and the second lockdowns. Yeah. I think that's what kind of um, pushed me into doing this, this charity project thing that I'm doing now because I'm doing something... I was always... I was so worried about myself and what I'd lost and, you know, all the rest of these things. I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I thought, the best thing I can do right now is stop freaking thinking about me and maybe start thinking about someone else because I... Especially after living, you know, in some very remote areas, I still had you know, a nice air-conditioned house and, and a comfortable way of life and food on my plate and things like that. And I got so annoyed at myself for, for sitting around feeling sorry for myself all day. I'm like, just get off your ass mm. and freaking do something useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it really sounds to me as though um, hospitality and, and and cooking and being a chef for you sometimes it's the opposite for people isn't it sometimes that can lead them into a path of you know quite dark behavior and so on but it feels like yeah. at every point it's the exact opposite, it's the exact right? opposite. it rescues you doesn't it that's amazing yeah, it, it, it actually saved me yeah um, yeah i was, I, um, was on a path of, of some very destructive behavior and things like that and my my problem is, is i have a very low bottom threshold it's if things aren't like trying to kill me at any given time, if like things aren't really exciting, I get bored and start doing dumb stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's very important that I keep myself busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, I think you've succeeded at doing that because I can see um, that you did bad chef, worst chef with Sam. Yeah, Sam, yeah, I love Sammy. Sammy and I, Sammy and I um, crossed paths a number of years ago, and we, we keep um, we're actually doing another project together next Thursday. We're doing a fundraiser for Are You Okay. Uh, he's, he's one of the Are You OK um, ambassadors, mm. and I know that during this uh, COVID crisis, the um, the suicide rate has just skyrocketed. Mm. So we're going to do a, a, a dinner at Dougie's house together and donate all the proceeds to Are You OK and try and raise some funds for those guys to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and tell me a bit more about dinner at Dougie's house. So you is that a is it just at the weekend, or is it all throughout the no, week? Or? No, no, well, I'm, I'm generally doing five days a week. I've actually taken a week off this week because mm. I, um, I, well, first of all, it kind of took off out of nowhere. I started just cooking. I was, I was putting up photos of my dinners on, on Facebook, and I kept having people saying, oh, will you cook for me? Will you cook for me? So mm. I'm like, oh, I'll cook for you. So I started selling a couple of meals out of, out of my garage, basically. 
and um, it, it went from you know ten or twenty meals a night to, to three hundred meals a week. So at that point, I had to move into a commercial kitchen. Um, but it, it happened so fast, I was kind of on the back foot, just trying to keep up. I didn't have time to set up the business side of things properly, uh, you know, get all the, the bookwork done and all that sort of thing. So um, I, I moved out of that tiny little commercial kitchen on Thursday, and I thought I'd take a week off just to get everything, get my ordering software sorted and, you know, all the rest of this stuff. And I'm moving into another kitchen tomorrow, mm. um, and we're going to be back up and running next week. Mm, right. And do you just have, um, do you just cook whatever you feel like? Sort of do you, does it go week by week or how do you come no, up with it? every day is a different dish. Every oh, week awesome. is a new menu. How <laughs> exciting. Made it particularly difficult for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, everything, like, just the idea is, uh, I know a lot of people still have suffered from, you know, living from Uber Eats and things like that and people working from home under high pressure in their op- home offices and things like that. And... The first thing is I wanted to bring like a little bit of freshness and niceness to people because I know how it feels for me when I'm in a hard place. Just having a nice, fresh, you know, interesting and, and, and tasty meal really brightens up my day. So I thought, especially around here, if I do that, but if I do with vegan options as well, because my brother and, and his wife, are, one's a carnivore and one's, one's a vegan, and they have so much trouble yeah. ordering out or even eating out or doing anything together. So I thought if I offer a main meal, a vegan meal, and a vegan dessert every day, every day something different, every day something new, then this should, you know, really be a nice little change for people who are used to having to get, um, you know, crappy food off Uber Eats. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, and also it provides a challenge for you. <laughs> yeah, the local community got right behind it. It's like, I think also having a sense of community in times like this as well is... Uh, it's something that people have really enjoyed. And I, I chat a lot to my customers and we have a, a good back and forth and I know a lot of their names and things like that. And there's some people who uh, order dinner every, you know, five nights a week for, for you know, three or four weeks at a time. Wow. Because they, they really enjoy it so much. So, yeah, it, it turns out that somehow I, I hit this formula, uh, you know, completely randomly, which seems to be working. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, is there an aspect of charity to that as well? Is that how does that, or is it the? Yeah, well, um, I I pay the bills, I pay the wages, I pay myself a bit of a wage, which works out at about four dollars fifty an hour. Oh god! <laughs> with all the hours that I chuck in, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's slightly more than I was making on the job keeper, so you know that's 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 a that's a plus. Yeah. And um, everything else goes to to charity. So uh, my main charity that I support is is Scarf Community. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know those guys. But I they, do. They work. Yeah, they're yeah, great. They, they do such great work. And especially at the moment with a lot of venues being closed, yep. they need all the help they can get. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of young kids out there with um, you know, struggling for career options. So I, I figured that would be a good close-to-home place to start. Mm. Uh, but I do special events as well. We did a Peter Mac fundraiser yep. on Saturday with my good friend Jerry Mai. Yes. And um, for Shannon Martinez, because she's been diagnosed with cancer, yes. we thought as a show of solidarity for her, we'd do a, a big fundraiser at, at Annam in the city, and um, we raised a couple of grand for, for Peter Mack there. Beautiful. And um, yeah, and we're doing some work with RUOK, okay? and yeah, just generally trying to, to put some positivity into it. I think people really like that as well, that, uh, I mean, 
when when we're all under pressure like this, it's really nice to see that people are rallying around a cause, you know. Yeah, well, look, it sounds to me like you um, are really, this is like, this is what hospitality should be, about bringing people together and helping each other out and, exactly. and all of those things. That's exactly and, how I feel about it. And unfortunately, it's never going to make me a millionaire, but it does make <laughs> me very happy. And it sounds like it probably makes you, I don't want to say popular, but you, it sounds like you're pretty well liked and well known by, as you were saying before, a lot of big name chefs. So... How, how have you? How did you become so integral to the chef community? Like, how did you get to know all these different chefs? Because it seems like oh. you know some really big names. Oh, um, I, I'm just a friendly guy. I think yeah. I, like, I, I, I've always been pretty chatty and things like that. And um, I guess I have a, a, a fair degree. Of, like, I have a fair bit of confidence, so I'm, I'm not afraid to go and chat with people. And I've worked around the scene for a long time. Um, I've met a lot of people in my travels and I always try to leave positive impressions behind me. So when I came back from overseas, I think with the, the confidence that I gained from, um, from I mean, you know, cooking with, with grandmas in hill tribe villages and cooking curries with old men in Sri Lanka, things like that, like I've learned restaurant ways of cooking, but all of a sudden I had this fund of knowledge that, not a lot of chefs actually genuinely have, you know what I mean? And it really boosted my confidence to, to start pushing myself onwards and upwards. And I think that, that kind of came through in, in my career opportunities and things like that. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So on the other side of this, optimistically looking towards the future, what um, would you keep going with dinner at Dougie's or would you go back oh, into I, the kitchen? I or? really like what I'm doing now. I yeah. think... Um, after travelling the world and spending time with a lot of people who don't have very much and seeing the way that they live their lives and, and things like that, I um, I kind of lost my drive to make a lot of money and, and you know, own a, a successful restaurant or anything like that. It's, um, at the moment, what I really like the idea is, is having enough to, to live a nice life, but to, to try and keep doing positive things because it actually works for me more than the idea of, of lining my own pockets. So I um, I can't really predict what's going to happen in over the next six months or so because the situation is so fluid and, you know, with mm. government handouts drying up and things like that, I have no idea what's going to go on. But I am going to continue on doing what, I do, what I'm doing as long as it's practical mm. uh, because I, you know, I just get such a good kick out of it. Yeah, amazing. Because, I mean, you've, you've done the head chef thing, haven't you, before? And you've yeah, yeah. worked yeah. in the top kitchens, and so it's nice to, to maybe you know, make it a bit more your own, suit to suit your lifestyle a bit more as well. Well, that's, I mean, I never thought that I would. I, I have a bit of a problem with, with putting meals in cardboard boxes, to be honest. It's such yeah. a challenge yeah. to... Uh, put put meals into a cardboard box and have it bump around in a hot bag for for you know half an hour before anybody eats it and the, trying to get that quality right at the end of that is like is such a hard thing. Mm. But I mean I can see different ways of this project working once lockdown comes out and things like that. And I think I'm just going to keep it fluid mm. and keep um people seem to be liking what I'm doing, so I'm just yeah. going to keep on 
in the same spirit that I started with. Yep. And you know, and see how far I can take this. Well, you've just got a lovely presence on social media as well, just to that, um, the, the little film clip that Danny Perino did and the photos yeah. and so on, all your photos of food. They're, just, they are, they're uplifting to look at. They're just beautiful, and you can tell, you can tell from your comments. Yeah, the funny thing is, I, um, I'm actually a complete technological retard. <laughs> like, I am so terrible at technology. I can't even... I can barely operate an email. And yet somehow, I'm a Facebook marketing genius. You are. You are. <laughs> I don't even understand it. No, it's brilliant. Um... But look, I, I better let you get back to what you're doing because I know you're really busy. But thank you so much for being, um, for getting back to me straight away and saying and being happy to talk to me. But I've just, I've loved it, Dougie. Thank you. Um, no worries. It's been great to chat. Yeah. Okay. All the best. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.